Hello, everyone. This is uh, Jay Alejandro and Maddie. What show is this? Can I just tell you, I hate the way we do our intro. Can we change it up? Yeah. What do you want to do? Just introduce us both. Don't make me say my own name. Is that, that's fucking <laughs> stupid, huh? It's like, this is me and this is wife. This woman here can introduce herself now. <laughs> With just enough permission from the man to do something. No. How horrible is that? Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Um, I, I go for like the shtick. Is that? That's not normal, is <laughs> it? That's like your radio self. No, I, I well, through. maybe in another life, I think I, I would have gone into the, the DJing If we had gone to a bigger college, I think you may have been like one of those radio DJs. Yeah, with like the three. awful personality. <laughs> no, you never would have dated me. At like me. three in the great. morning, you'd have been like, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever think about death and stuff? What's that movie that I used to watch? <laughs> Crap. I can't remember what, anyway, there's a movie. What? Oh, it's Pitch Perfect. That's what I'm oh. thinking of. <laughs> yeah, when the, the And there's DJs like that, always... that, that guy that she's like into and mm-hmm. she wants to like, she ends up like playing her own music on the radio. Oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. And it's it's like the, the kind of cool guy at first that, that was yeah. at the radio station. But then yeah. you get to know him. It's like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with him. <laughs> this guy's gross and depressed and. Although I guess if you'd done it at UW, it, well, you would have just ended up as like a WPR person. <laughs> like they would have just roped you into being I, I like would a have been toned down. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about the mountains again. <laughs> but they do really good work. I of really course. do uh, I advocate WPR. for uh, our our public broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> do you want to you know, talk about stuff? Uh, yeah, let's we. Talk about stuff. I'm delirious uh, because of the world being on fire and everything and mm. our cats ruining our brand new furniture mm-hmm. that I I just don't have a lot of a lot left in me. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe we could talk about some pleasant things that we've been watching and enjoying mm-hmm. because that's always good for people. Um, do you want to start with the, the free shit that we have online now? It's so much stuff. Like the... So I found that Andrew Lloyd Webber is doing this thing. He's I don't I don't know. Somebody started a YouTube channel. I don't know if it was him. It was it a, was him. Started yeah. a YouTube channel called The Show Must Go On. Yeah. And it's every Friday they um they show a free um stage production of his one of his plays and they leave it on YouTube for 48 hours. And that was pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like they did Jesus Christ Superstar and Joseph and um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. For those of you who aren't familiar, um, and that was the first one. That was like, eh, oh, you know, when it started. Terrible. <clears throat> but that Donny Osmond flair was pretty nice when he came on. Say what you will about him being married to his sister. <laughs> it's not. He true. has a great voice. Not true. He and has that's an not amazing. Why I like him. Why I don't like him. I just, you know, whatever. It's fine. He keeps taking talented. brown people's parts. That's true. I mean. He did he, at least once. Yeah. Well, he was. Joseph's uh, definitely not white. So. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the guy from Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got down the, to business. Yeah. When you told me that B.D. Wong was a Broadway actor and they still made Donny Osmond. His yeah, singing they, voice. It was I, the '90s. It was a different so time, and they had to. It was an Asian movie. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous, but of course, um, not made by Asian people. So that's Mulan. probably the problem. Okay, I'm gonna get our tea, and then you, I'm gonna come back. Okay, I'm just gonna keep talking you because. Can 
Oh, shoot. I'm getting cold feet now that I'm... Okay, so what I'm doing now, people, in case you can't see me do this stuff, I'm actually Googling Mulan. Not the new one, not the 2020 version, but um, bless you. Salud. Uh, I want to make sure that I get this right, because B.D. Wong... He was cast in... He was Lee Shang. That was his name, huh? The voice of the Yeah. Which is which is batshit crazy. I mean, you look at the track record of BD Wong. He won a Tony for his best performance as song Liling in M Butterfly. Mm-hmm. The only actor in Broadway history to receive a Tony Award, Drama Desk Award, Outer Critic Circle Award, Clarence Derwent Award, and the Theater World Award for the same role. Jesus Christ, no man. And at the same time, I mean, you're you're trying to pigeonhole him in, you know, in this uh Mulan movie for Disney, which, you know, we all grew up with the with the Disney movies. We love them very much, but I think that's some wild horse shit that they got away with in the nineties. Yeah. And anyway. To this day. I mean they, they still yeah, they get still rid. they still do it. I mean they're Alas. I think they're trying to be better, but you know, whatever. The new Mulan I mean I, I haven't seen the trailer, but it looks pretty legit. Like well, I was they're, I was thinking about Moana. Like Moana they legitimately That was pretty cool. They yeah. legitimately tried to like include the minority that they're telling a story about. What a concept. Yeah. Um <laughs> but anyway, so so this YouTube channel they started um specifically for Andrew Lloyd Webber and I <laughs> I have to admit, I was a little disappointed when I realized it was only Andrew Lloyd Webber shows. I remember the moment like it was uh, yesterday because it was like two or three days ago. But yeah. you you just kind of leapt off the, the couch in excitement and you said, babe, it's happening. They're putting free musicals because of the, the quarantine and COVID-19. It's going to be amazing. We're going to watch all these Every Broadway Friday. shows. And you slumped back in and you said, oh, they're only Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, the last three have been Andrew Lloyd Webber shows. <laughs> There's huh. something wrong with this app. I wonder. If <laughs> yeah, then I figured it out. But and, um, and then they showed Phantom of the Opera, which I was obviously super excited about. That leads us to tonight's main yeah. point here that we wanted to talk about the show. So tell us about what what this show was and why it was so special. To me or the specific? And, well, start there. And then we can talk about the production. Okay, so when I was a kid, like I I was probably exposed to just a few musicals early on in my life, and Phantom of the Opera was definitely one of them. Um, my grandma listened to the um, to the soundtrack just like on repeat, and so did my mom. And they went to like Los Angeles to see a production, Los Angeles or San Diego to see a production of it with the original cast. Mm. And I think that was like in the early 90s. And um, so my whole family is like diehard Michael Crawford, Sarah Brightman, Phantom fans. <laughs> and it's a strange thing because uh, you guys aren't, I mean, I know that your your grandma is, but generally as a family, you guys don't watch a lot of musicals. No, we definitely, um, like when I was a kid, we watched a few. Like there were some staples that like my mom really liked. Phantom right. was one of them. Fiddler on the Roof was another Um, But yeah, generally speaking, we were not like, we weren't like a theater going family. It was definitely just like Uh movie musicals. Yeah, but that, and that's what struck me as like that show in particular is such a, like an important part of your family. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know. I guess you can you can kind of expand on that. Yeah, I just no, like from an outside um, perspective. Yeah, it's kind of weird that that's the thing, but uh, in my family. But I definitely get stems from my grandma and like her love of musicals and opera yeah. specifically. Like she grew up really loving opera, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually that sort of segued into love of musicals. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Phantom was just like her thing. Like she was just so into Phantom, and. Uh, she also really likes Les Mis and some of one of the phantoms, one or two of the phantoms also like one of the really famous ones also played um, Jean Valjean in Les Mis on Broadway mm. as well. So she's like, she, she's in the know. She's in the know. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, um, I grew up listening to phantom and when I was in high school, my senior trip, my grandma took me and my best friend in New York and my lifelong dream of seeing Phantom on Broadway was fulfilled, which was really awesome. And then I saw it again. Did I see it again? I feel like I saw it in Vegas. No, we maybe, didn't see Phantom maybe I just in Vegas. Talked about seeing. Yeah, it. I think so. Because, Phantom in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Because um, oh, I know why we didn't see it because it's abridged in Vegas. Oh yeah, all no, the musicals like, are abridged. You get an hour and then like an hour and a half, yeah, and, and they you're kick out. You out. They kick yeah. you out into the casino so you can win, you know lose some money. Um, so yeah, so I got to see it on Broadway, which was incredible. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've loved it since I was really little. And so um, I, to be honest, I didn't realize people didn't like it until <laughs> I got to college. Like <laughs> until I, you met until, me. And I, I didn't, just hated I didn't, everything. Yeah, I guess I just, I didn't realize how divisive it was. And I think that's probably his least divisive show. I would say so. It's probably his most beloved by most, like, the general public. Yeah. Um, I'm not really going out on, on a limb and saying that Cats is probably his, his most, most divisive, divisive play. Yeah. Even though it's technically his most successful one. Yeah. It fucking ran forever, yeah. uh, for decades. And uh, it does have a following, but it's, it's just sort of again i've mentioned this before it's an it just strikes me as such an indulgent yeah self-indulgent project that yeah. it <laughs> it just doesn't land with no, me no no um, like i can but see just like as a but how do you feel about phantom because you came to it way later in life yeah i'm i feel that i'm i'm fairly um unbiased when it comes to to looking at that show i think it's it's his best show mm-hmm. and it holds up in that if you let go of of like the excess of the show it's it's a very melodramatic big operatic show and if you accept that and you enjoy that then it's going to be the kind of show for you and you know me i i give into a lot of those emotions you know i'm i'm willing to be let into that kind of emotional investment and a lot of people really aren't because they see it as, oh, this is too big. It's too. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those much. people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's that's the dilemma is that <laughs> I don't want to say that it shouldn't be one of your favorite musicals. Yeah, but it defies but logic. But I think, yeah, I think my previous experience with it just overrides that. <laughs> and I'm just like, whatever. I love this. I've loved this since I was little. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is just nostalgia and... You it's, can't you can't help but love things that you grew up with, you know. Right, right, and it is the music of the night mostly that that does it. Yeah, uh, yeah when the night happens and then the music happens together. <laughs> oh man, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like a lot <laughs> of the shit. songs, just um, 
They're very yeah. They hit me just right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and they're very true. I mean, they, they make me feel, very emotional. They feel true. Yeah. Um, and in particular, if you want to talk about this performance mm. versus what you saw before, I think mm-hmm. that would be really nice to kind of contrast between those because I don't know very many of them. We've seen some of them together, mm-hmm. but you probably have a better idea of how to lay out the this new production, like like. What was special about this show, the new one, Um, the new rendition that we saw on YouTube? So the one that they showed was the 25th anniversary show in, and they, they put it on in the Royal Albert Hall in London, which is a huge space. It seats, I looked it up because our son wanted to know (laughs) how many people that theater sat because he said it was huge and it's about 5,200 people, 5,200 seats. Jesus. And, um... Yeah, it just, it was an incredible design. And um, the, so. So let's talk about the design. I mean, just from, from looking at that perspective. Mm-hmm. So the, the show is set in a theater in Paris in the early 1900s. And a lot of the show, a, a big parts of the show are shows within a show. Um, so the stage is set up like a stage. And um, there's parts. There's a part in the in the beginning of the show where Christine, the main protagonist, takes over oops, takes over the main role, and it sort of uh, segues into her performance in the show. And mm-hmm. the way they, um, you know, she's like performing it, and then like she turns around, and then there's. I couldn't tell if it was digital or like a mirror reflecting the audience in the front row, but it was like she was bowing, facing away from the real yeah, audience, yeah. yeah, bowing to like the fake audience, right? Um, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like it was just like really big, and like the chandelier, which is like a big um, aspect of the set, was just the biggest most like pirate <laughs> thing. thing i've ever yeah. seen yeah it was really awesome um it, and then it, there's like it goes back and forth between like the actual stage and like the backstage area mm-hmm. um and there's like these cool like rafters up above that's you know or like the um what do they call it the yeah the grids the grids for yeah. for lights and, lights stuff. and stuff yeah, yeah. um so it's a very like layered set mm-hmm. with lots of um, depth and stuff to it, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very And well it just, it, it was a very imposing, big yeah. kind of like uh, well, we spectacle said, of a show. We said watching it, this must be million, like a multi-million. Oh, yeah. Deal. I mean, yeah. of course that show the is. The amount of cash that they dropped. Just the costumes and the sheer number of cast yeah. members. It's And I, I do feel that this is one of those shows where I would kill to see it live mm-hmm. because of the quality of the performances. You look at what they were doing and it really... I mean, it, it just worked in that level of, of environment that they created for them. Yeah. Talk about the, I mean, the, the leads who were in the show. Cause they were incredible. Yeah. Like I was really impressed. Um, there's a lot of division amongst phantom fans about like, who's the best phantom and who's the best Christine. And of course, like a lot of people are like diehard original cast fans. Purists. So that's Michael of- Crawford and my, and Sarah Brightman. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And that was, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm in that camp. Um, and then I don't remember exactly what, it was when I was in high school, 2004, maybe when the movie came out. Um, Gerard Butler style. Gerard Butler was the Phantom and Emmy Rossum played Christine. What was your reaction watching that movie? Like, how taken were you by that the movie, movie experience? Was, the movie was pretty good. I mean, in terms of like, you can just do a lot more in a movie with, you know, the sets and mm-hmm. the spectacle and like really setting it in Paris. Um, but in terms of the performances, I mean, <laughs> Gerard Butler was, he was fine, but it was like a very like one dimensional. He was very of, moody. Yeah. Like yeah. kind of just angry the whole time. And that's fine, I guess. But um, I think you get a little bit more nuance <laughs> In the stage productions, generally, mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen that many stage productions of of this. Sh- I've seen the one, right? And then you know you listen to the original cast recording over and over again. Um, but the new production, that well, it's not new. It's like a couple years, years old. Ten I years think. old. Oh I can't wow! Can't remember exactly what year. Late, um, twenty thirteen, maybe twenty twelve. I don't remember. Hmm. Um. But this production, The Phantom was, The Phantom and Christine particularly were incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, The Phantom was very dynamic. Yeah. You felt that he was giving, he was giving the gentle moments, the intimate moments, a lot of, a lot of himself. And then when he got big, he went big and yeah. he, he had that like unhinged mm-hmm. quality that was kind of scary yeah like I and think that's, if you lose that it just it's not as engaging he's not just like a guy with makeup screaming no, like he like, he sold you on it yeah and like and by the end of the show if the phantom is good you're almost like did christine make the right choice <laughs> like and my grandma and i talk about this a lot we've talked about it since yeah. we watched this production and my grandma literally said like she sent me a text like oh my God. i don't know a day after i had said the exact same thing she's yeah. like i yeah. don't think christine make the right made the and right then, choice. And then to play De- devil's advocate i'm like but look at his fucking face <laughs> yeah and like but he would sing you so good man well, it would just, it would be if you wonderful. don't if you don't feel that way by the end of the show then the phantom didn't do his job right if you don't feel that he actually loves christine mm-hmm. yeah. he just doesn't know how to go about it right then he wasn't nuanced enough yeah you know but there there was good levels of turmoil in that performance and yeah. there was when it was and that's the that's such a hard thing for for some performers to capture is is the softness of it because you know we're talking about hills and valleys and getting those 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 really tender moments and being vulnerable to contrast the other stuff yeah. is is really hard to to nail yeah. down especially when you got like pounds of makeup on top of your yeah. face when you're singing and belting yeah. and then you got to like on a dime just turn it yeah. down yeah. to to such a little scale especially in that, such a huge venue yeah like yeah. you you have to be i can't because there's parts where he's singing almost in a whisper mm-hmm. and like you could hear a pin drop of course like yeah. it's silent right. in the theater but right. um 
to be able to project that level of emotion in such mm-hmm. a, a huge space yeah. is incredible to me. Yeah, but it feels it, you know, and that's kind of the thing that will not be replicated in a movie, though, is that ability to get the magnetism of the audience. If you reel them in with that emotion, you, you, you know, you're harnessing that yeah. to to continue that that attention mm-hmm. you know and uh i think that they they were all tremendous they were all really yeah. really good yeah christine was incredible she had an incredible voice mm-hmm. and uh the guy who played raul was really good um now raul raul <laughs> raul how do they say I it? I swear to God, they only pronounce his name that way. So his name fits into lyrics, like yeah. fits into melodic phrases. Yeah. Um, wow. It's definitely pronounced Raul. <laughs> it's too much work. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Raul. Raul. One syllable. Raul sounds like a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought like all the like lesser characters were really great too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, those, the Good theater managers cast. and like. The dude who got hung, he did really well too. <laughs> The diva, like, they were all really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's an incredible, I can't get over the production of it, just mm-hmm. the costuming and. Yeah. Um, those are those are really, like, modern-day celebrations of what theater is. I mean, you can knock spectacle a bit. It's everywhere. It's in the movies. It's in the theater. There's, there's always going to be those production value, you know, things that are going to make you want to drop a crap ton of money to to go see a show but something like this was definitely in service of the show Mm -hmm. you know this show had already made its money like they didn't need to make more money so they could invest in creating the the most immersive kind of experience by creating that kind of backdrop and creating those kinds of of um environments for the actors to play in and it was really really good Mm -hmm. and you know, that's Andrew Lloyd Webber's, you know, opus. he's okay. He's okay. His opus. Yeah. I still like Jesus Christ Superstar, but that's just me. <laughs> Tell me I, what's happening. I wonder, I mean, obviously they're going to play cats, but I don't know many others of, oh, and then <laughs> they dropped the that? bomb that there's a sequel to oh Phantom of the Opera yeah, yeah, yeah. called Love Never Dies. And, and I, I didn't catch it. I, I can't I, believe you didn't know that, though. That was I can't that was believe the baffling I didn't thing know that. to me. Yeah, I asked my grandma. I was like, did you know there was a sequel? And she said, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just, you know, let's take a moment to visualize for a second, like your grandma saying, like when you ask her, hey, what did you think of the show? I just want to hear her in her sweet little voice say, it was complete dog shit. <laughs> It's like it was a travesty. Yeah, she just of, said she of said theater. it was terrible. She said, "I don't know. It just missed the mark for me." And I was missed like, the mark for most. And why would you make a sequel? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's ballsy. According I guess. to Andrew Lloyd Webber, his answer was that he just had so much more music regarding that story that he had to so give the world. Went back and, and I think it also may have may have had something to do with. Uh, like, the money. Oh well, yeah, but. yeah. I think it's like <laughs> the exorbitant amounts of money he was yeah. making. <laughs> well, the Phantom reminds him of money, so. Well, and maybe he was sad that he and Sarah Brightman weren't together anymore. Yeah, so it's like maybe if the Phantom can have her, 
then maybe I'll be complete. Maybe if I write it, oh, maybe if I can write it, it'll happen. Babe, I don't know. So I don't. Sad. I don't know what the timeline is. Uh, I don't know how long they were together or whatever. But yeah. I might. I might look this up while we continue to talk about so the next thing. So is that true that he wrote it for her? I thought so. Yeah. Oh. That. And then you said there were rumors that like he was supposed to be the phantom. Well, I think you know it's it's a very poetic way to look at the way the the writer puts that stuff together but yeah people were saying well he saw himself as the phantom that's mm. why he wrote the show that's why he adapted the show because he's just this this being who you know might have these gifts to offer the world but he he in a way hates himself or mm. in a way um doesn't, think doesn't like the look of like his the way he looks or something i mean i, I there's a lot of conversation about that but i guess you could speculate till the cows come home about why yeah. anyone writes anything right right but yeah i'm sure as a writer he saw himself in some shape or form as all of them mm-hmm. you know yeah but you know i can't just go out and say well he thought he was fucking ugly <laughs> and so he put himself yeah. in there no. but the makeup was really good i kept thinking about that like that that part of his brain that was exposed yeah I was kind of like he also couldn't close his mouth all the way. Did you notice that? Like really? His lip on the ugly side. Oh yeah, the like way a, they it was like a hair lip, like it yeah. was like, and he couldn't fully close his mouth. So I was like, oh, so he's having to sing and articulate those and articulate words. the yeah. words with his mouth all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that poor actor. Oh man, they killed it though. Yeah, it was really a good production. And you know, it's it's like. Some actors really like nail it and others don't, but it's it's that the humanity that sounds really cheap to to say, but the thing that makes you want to believe in him mm-hmm. and and surrender your bias in that situation when you're watching the show. Surrender and, to the music of the night, you mean? I did surrender <laughs> to the music of the night that one night. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I surrender all oh, the time to the music of the night. Um, and then the cool thing at the end of that, because it was the 25th anniversary, they like brought Andrew Lloyd Webber out onto the stage. And then he brought out like the whole original, like the original cast. Yeah. And, the, the leads. Um, and they sang. Oh, and they, I, I had my moment because they, they sang the, uh, the sing for me. Uh-huh. What was that? Um, the song. Yeah. And Sarah Brightman shows up and she's yeah. like, I still got it. And so and she, she hit those did. notes and the whole crowd went wild. Yeah. And I stood up and I clapped for her too. And <laughs> well, I was weeping. That's because she never stopped singing. Like she put out albums. I yeah. had one of those albums. Did you? Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's she didn't just stop singing after she'd stopped doing the show. So she was still like... I don't know how old would she have been like. Well, this was 60s? in uh, in eighty six that it premiered, yeah. but we can take a look at. Um, so she would have probably been in at least her fifties, maybe early to mid sixties. I don't know. Let's see how. But old she, she is. was. I mean, she could still hit all those notes with no problem. Mm. And they and then they had like the other phantoms like. Uh, come out on stage and they all sang together and then mm-hmm. they sang separately and they sang with her and she was born in 1960 okay, August so 14th, she's, 1960 she's only so. two years older than my dad so she's like not even 60 mm. 
or is 60. And I was going to take a look at the year of that 25th anniversary. That was 2011. Okay. 2011. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. And all the phantoms, so all the phantoms were singing together. The only phantom that wasn't singing actually was Michael Crawford. And we kind of talked about why that might be. And, um, I, I think he's done. Um, yeah, I think his maybe voice he has was left just, him. yeah, just maybe too old or mm -hmm. just, I mean, I, I would assume when you get past a certain age, your voice definitely doesn't sound the same. Right. And maybe, I don't know whether it's vanity or just, just not wanting to to spoil to the sully image. what yeah. yeah what people have in their minds of what right. his voice is kind of like the same thing with Julie Andrews like she doesn't really sing anymore yeah because her voice isn't the same let's see of course she had a surgery that's right fucked up her vocal cords Julie Andrews was so awesome and talented mm -hmm. she was the best uh, I'm gonna see when the last time he appeared it looks like around twenty. No, that those are just like TV appearances. Yeah, special appearance. Although reunited with Sarah Brightman, he did no real singing as he had just finished performing in a matinee of The Wizard of Oz. Oh. Vocal rest. Oh my God! So Jesus he was Christ. still performing. Yeah, yeah. He, wow, that's crazy. At the London Palladium. Wow. I'm sorry, Michael Crawford. I, I didn't mean to doubt your abilities. You sullied him. He was literally still working. Like, Bitch, I'm working. <laughs> I got to protect my range. That's crazy. Here you are, besmirching him. I know, him. it's like, he's old. Like, it's fine if he's retired. Yeah, and, and those he's guys like, do that all the time. Remember we, when we, uh, we had the, um, the guest at Casper College, um, Frank... D'Ambrosia. Frank D'Ambrosia, who was one of the Phantoms as well. Mm -hmm. He said he he couldn't do anything when he was doing that show. And he was the longest, uh, what was he? the? Well, I think he was the longest running Phantom on Broadway. On Broadway. Mm -hmm. Well, he, at that time. He yeah. lived like a monk, he said. He, he didn't talk for, you know, most of his day. He only sang. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do anything because he had to take care of himself and be the Phantom for like six years i think it was eight or shows a week eight shows a week yeah holy shit yeah that's like that's be beautiful and an amazing commitment but you know at the same time it's like it's a lot yeah it's a big commitment takes a toll mm -hmm. i mean now it'd be easier back in the day in the 90s when he did it i mean he just had to go home and and just hang out but now he would have been able to instagram or maybe you know yeah. do a lot he could he could get a lot more done now yeah but that was a different time. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, we, we were left with a really good impression of that show. And so we highly recommend it. I don't think that it's available right now anymore. Is it? No. It's It was only four. It is if you know people. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> don't advocate for... I know, I know. Uh, what do you call it? Illicit ways of, of getting uh, getting intellectual property. We're not that kind of show. Mm -hmm. We're not that kind of show. <laughs> but what else? We we have a couple of things in our mind, uh, mainly just <laughs> trying to watch great, funny shit. Mm -hmm. um, you've been watching a lot of stand-up, and that you're you're really just on a roll with with finding new comedians and new 
fun shows to talk about and mm. stuff. So uh, yeah. you want to talk about uh, the podcast that you're listening to now? It's a new yeah. one. There's a podcast that's uh, <laughs> born out of the quarantine. Uh, yeah. It's called This Is Important to Me. And it's um, Sam Morrell and Taylor Tomlinson's podcast. Excuse me. It's a movie podcast. And they each take turns picking a movie that's important to them or was important to them as kids or as young adults. And then the other person hasn't seen it, and so they watch it together. Um, and then they talk about it. And so, um, you know, they did... They did Austin Powers. They did Chinatown. They did um, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> so you can tell, like, yeah, so like Sam, the disparity of Sam Morrell is a little bit. Um, he's older. He's our age, maybe a little older. No, he's your age. Mm. And Taylor Tomlinson is twenty six or twenty seven, so mm-hmm. she's a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, and so you can kind of tell, and just different tastes, you know, he's more yeah. into like noir and like classics. Nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so it's, it's a fun podcast and even if you haven't seen the movies that they're talking about, um, it's still fun to hear a couple showing each other movies they haven't seen. And then mm-hmm. it's just, it's relatable and it's fun. And um, anybody who's been in a long-term relationship recognizes those exchanges, you know, where like, for instance, the guy makes you as the girl watch some classic, but also traumatizing movie <laughs> that you you <laughs> repress, which I think was Chinatown for the two of us. Yeah. And was for them as well. Um <laughs> It's a great movie, but it's horrifying, and uh, it's also I, directed by a by, by a God. pedophile. So. Roman Polanski. Why? I know. Why did it's you have lot. to do this shit? But it's just uh, I don't know. It's fun, and and even if I'm not interested in seeing the movie, like they just talked about Jackie Brown, which mm. is um, Sam Morrell's favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, and I hadn't ever I'd heard of it, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, and so it was kind of cool to hear about that and. Um, because I I'm not a Tarantino fan, so he was like, "This is the least Tarantino Tarantino movie." Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool, and I don't know. It's just it's fun, and it's um. I, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say just from listening to the Chinatown episode, which uh you you recommended to me, and we listened to together. I was really taken with the before and after i like mm. that format because they start in there and they're sort of building up to them watching the movie and then after the fact they they come back and and give first impressions you know just yeah. kind of while it's still hot and, mm. and while you're still kind of processing and thinking about what you just saw mm-hmm. and experienced and a movie like chinatown gives you so much i mean i'm sure they they've kept talking about it for hours mm-hmm. just because it's such a beautiful clusterfuck of a movie week following they did sweeney todd and taylor was like i haven't stopped thinking about chinatown (laughs) for a week yeah and this is payback for them did they ever do rosemary's baby no but he talked about it okay it just in that would be really cool in the scope of roman polanski yeah rosemary's baby was the other one that he saw that was like a game changer for him yeah 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 rosemary's baby has to be one of the 
most amazing movies ever made. And I just, now everything seems sullied, you know. I know. they it, do, it, And that's cool because they do talk about that. They talk about the, the Me Too thing and just the sort of hypocrisy in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. Characters like Woody Allen and, you know, just shitheads who get away I think, with yeah, stuff. that's got to be the most overt one. Like Woody Allen just going around making all kinds of movies now and all with like the same theme <laughs> it's like a 60 year old man with like a yeah 12 year old girl yeah and everyone's just fine with it yeah yeah it's woody um, allen it's, oh it's my god just woody being woody yeah, yeah. but on, um man. anyway it's a it's a fun podcast and yeah. both sam morell and taylor tomlinson have excellent stand-up specials out yes, right now check them out tam taylor tomlinson's is called quarter life crisis and it's on netflix and Sam Morell's is called. Do you remember what? It's on YouTube, and he needs to get get picked up. Oh crap! Yeah, dropping the ball up. on that one. I just told Sam what it was called, and I totally forgot. The other Sam, not the stand-up comedian Sam. Yeah, sorry. Sam Morell, comedian. I'm getting a lot of doctors. <laughs> he's jewish <laughs> babe <laughs> hit videos samurai on youtube it's gonna start playing sorry uh kickback no no this is a rapper wow i'm having horrible do you know how to spell his last name that might be. no it's m-o-r-r-i-l Comedian. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this podcasting. is taking this is taking way too fucking long. Oh, it's, he was an intern on the Colbert Report. Oh. Well, his special is very good, and he threw it up on YouTube because none. I guess I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he shopped it around and no one bought it. I or, think that was the case. Yeah, and I think he just produced it himself. I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. He's he's really really good with his delivery. Mm-hmm. He's um, yeah, he's very fun. fairly on point. Yeah, he's a really good writer. Yeah, so highly recommend five stars. Yeah, they're very good. It's a fun podcast. That's can can we use that one? And I'm just making a, a note here to myself more than anything is I want that bit from the IT crowd <laughs> where he goes five stars. Just as a as a little thing, you know, where I can I can push on the button and then it'll it'll do that. What did you think, Jen? Jen, Jen. Yes, yes, yes. But alas, that's all we had. Uh, we didn't really have much else other than uh, the great void of, of you know, the pandemic. The pandemic. It's it's leaving on our lives. I mean, I don't think we should end on a on a really downbeat for the episode because uh, it's it's been pretty fun talking mm-hmm. about yeah. Phantom of all things and uh, and stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. But um, we wanted to share just a. A bit of an update on our new project that we're trying to do, and, and maybe a couple of minutes on that, and we'll we'll leave you be. But uh, Maddie and I have been really looking into doing audio narration for uh, for audiobooks and things of that nature, and we found that it would be maybe a good outlet for us, uh, given that we we like staying in 
<laughs> we yeah. like uh we like a lot of things that can keep us here home you know and, and available to to our kid and i'm really excited for that uh we had a recording session this weekend and and we worked on maddie's samples for her um for her profile and it's i don't know it was just kind of fun that we got to do that and it's been a really really long time since we've done any of that together so mm-hmm. that's been that's been kind yeah, of nice it's been kind of a fun uh exercise in <laughs> i don't know exercising a muscle i haven't used in a while um yeah. and i don't know i like reading i like reading out loud um and why not use you know <laughs> Use what your mama gave you. you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so we'll we'll kind of keep working. We might be reporting back and and uh, you know let folks know how it's going. But uh, for gonna, now, probably gonna do my first audition this week. Yeah. So wish us luck. Hope it goes well, and uh, we will talk to you guys later. Do you want to sign guys. off? You want to tink? Yeah. Tink to everything. There we go. Have a good night, guys. Good night.